In the broadcasting business are all kinds of people. Excellent talent, mediocre talent, good people, a-holes. It's rare that you find a great talent that is also a fine person. And today's guest is one of those rare breeds. His name is Mark Avery, and he's going to join us on Brian's Beat Radio Stories. Funny things happen in the radio business. You you make friends. Sometimes you move from one coast to another, but you still manage to stay friends with these people. And and here's one in particular, a man who's worked in the radio business numerous years and got out of the business, but still lingers in the business, if you know what I mean, because he is a professional voiceover artist and very close to the radio business and very close to me and my family. His name is Mark Avery. And Mark, I want to thank you for joining us on Brian's Beat radio stories how are you today i'm great thanks for having me brian it's uh nice to be talking to you and uh yeah we have quite the history don't we (laughs) we do hey don't get me fired anymore please (laughs) whatever you do Mark and I met in Santa Barbara, California. He's still in that particular area. And as you know, I'm back on the East Coast. What I want you to do as we start things off, I'd love to have you tell Radio Nation one thing about your career that nobody really knows about. Before I got into radio professionally, when I was in college and doing college radio, one summer I got to uh, intern at KLOS in Los Angeles and got to work. Well, I got to work with several legends, but one legend in particular uh, of the radio business, B. Mitchell Reed, the Beamer. And just was, uh, it was very interesting that people told me not to go into the studio and talk to him during his show because I would likely get my head snapped off. Well, I, I don't listen to advice like that very often. Uh, I like to push the envelope. I actually went in and ended up uh, engaging in some great conversation with Beamer. And he actually asked for me to be in the studio with him from that day on through the rest of my summer internship just to help him out and to basically almost produce his show. It was an interesting start to my professional radio career and uh, just getting to work with somebody uh, of that stature and with that history in the business actually taught me a lot uh, right off the bat. Well, you've always wanted to be a L.A. type guy. You grew up in the area and you went to work in Santa Barbara and I know you went back to L.A. and you spent a great part of your career in Los Angeles. But how did you really get your start? Where was your first on-air job and and what were you doing? Well, I mean, if you want to be technical about it, (laughs) My first quote-unquote on-air job was as a camp counselor at Camp Akiba in the mountains of Southern California during the summers because we used to uh, wake up the kids every morning with our radio station KIBA, quote-unquote. It was just basically me blasting music and talking on the PA system. Good morning, Vietnam type thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, rise and shine, that kind of thing. And so that was my technical start. My actual start in broadcast was in college at KSDT, which is the UC San Diego college radio station and a very freeform avant-garde station where we basically got to do whatever we wanted. And uh, we took advantage of that. We played whatever we want. We said whatever we want. We did some wild things on the air. I know one year, right before the the week before the Kentucky Derby, I did a, a quote-unquote live show from the Kentucky Derby via Mike microwave tape advance where you hear it before you see it and i had a a whole cast
cast of characters, uh, interviewing uh, a drunk Mr. Ed in the stands, all kinds of fun things. And then the very last thing of that show was an actual call of the race. And I ended up actually calling the winner. So, oh, my so, goodness. Uh, what about was... your first paying position where, where somebody gave you some some do-re-mi for your, your efforts, either behind the microphone or maybe you got your start helping somebody else and got paid for it? Well, actually, uh, my, my first gig came three months after graduating from college when uh, a lady who I think you know very well, Jane Asher, who was at the time the program director at KTYD in Santa Barbara, decided she liked my air check, brought me in as a part-timer, and I ended up staying there for eight and a half years. About six months after she hired me, I went full-time and stayed eight and a half years. And you brought some alarm clock with you, if I recall. Whatever <laughs> happened to that? Yeah, well, uh, those overnight shifts didn't last too long, fortunately, and I ended up, actually, my first full-time gig for K-Tide was as morning drive and production direct. That was quite the uh, the experience, basically spending my entire life in the radio station. Well, uh, no, you you certainly did, and it's funny that you went to mornings, and not long after that, I went into that overnight position, but that didn't last too long either. No. So it's a funny thing about radio. You lasted eight and a half years. You lasted a long time, if I recall, in Los Angeles. But what a, what particular time, or maybe I'll say it like this, what was the aha moment when you realized radio was in your blood for life? I think it was early on. I think it was those KIBA days at camp. I came at it more from being interested in the music, I think, than actually being an on-air personality. I, since a very young age, I've been into rock music. I, you know, I got uh, exposed to the Beatles at a young age, thanks to my father and some other great groups like the Rolling Stones, The Who, and Deep Purple, and as well as other musical uh, genres, uh, Pete Seeger, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. I mean, my my dad really had a varied musical taste, and which he passed on to me, and the idea of being where the music was played was very attractive to me. It was what uh, brought me into the business. And then being able to also entertain and inform at the same time really made it a very uh, attractive opportunity to do and be involved with what I loved and that is the, the music. We all have the, the highest high moments but what was your absolute worst radio experience or situation? <sighs> well I've had a few of those I mean we all have where situations are not good but fortunately uh, usually the, they change nothing is, seems permanent in radio other than maybe uh, Howard Stern Um <laughs> The thing that uh, probably drove me the craziest was uh, a GM that we had at K-Tide. And I, I just, uh, just out of respect for people who have passed, I'm not going to mention his name. But he once told me that he got a bigger rush out of firing people than he did from drugs. And he did a lot of drugs. So, And um, he did a lot of firing, if I recall. Yes, he did. And it was, I think, his goal to make my life as miserable as possible. Possible. And so for those, I think about two years, you know, it, it was a challenge. You know, fortunately, I was still young and optimistic and I, I didn't let him drive me out and I stuck around. And fortunately, when he left and a new general manager came in, things got much better and my life in radio improved dramatically. That was probably the roughest time I had in radio was under his, his uh, you know, under his grip is the way I used to 
put it. What do you think your biggest takeaway from that experience was? Oh, that I I could survive anything, (laughs) at least in radio. I just knew that, you know, if I could get past him and be and still be successful that was the, the the interesting thing as hard as he tried to tear me down i guess that probably drove me more to be successful and fortunately that station and with that group of people we were quite successful because that was the one thing about k-tide i gotta say it was even though the door seemed to revolve quite often with air staff we always seemed to have very talented people that were fun to work with and and were dedicated to the craft. So it was uh, it was always just a, a pleasure to come to work and work with them, even though down the hall there was a guy trying to make us as, as unhappy as possible. So persevere is is what you're saying here you, know, no you just got to keep digging no doubt and and just look for the look for the things that that make you happy while you're there i mean you know you can go glass half full or glass half empty i've been fortunate to have worked with that kind of talent and and that kind of dedication once it's in your blood it's there for life was k tide the best radio experience or your favorite radio experience where when what yeah especially i think in the early days of, of k tide because even though it wasn't freeform, we had a lot of freedom to play what we wanted musically, create flow, and to create a show that that would draw people in and have them listen and engage for long periods of time. So that was really uh, a unique experience in professional radio because that just wasn't the case anymore. That that kind of radio was quickly being phased out. Corporations started buying smaller radio stations and and programming for numbers instead of people. I've always said radio. when I started out in radio, it was a fun art, and by the time I left, it turned into a lousy business. And I'm- You know, I know exactly what you mean. When I was first hired to go in and do XM Radio, we were there to be artists. Don't worry about all of the other stuff. It will take care of itself. When there was the merger with Sirius, all of a sudden, it became the exact kind of business that you're talking about. Many of us didn't like it, but if you wanted to stay there, you were going to have to put up with the the new management structure. It was all about what was happening on Wall Street. So I know exactly what you mean. When you left Santa Barbara, you went to L.A., and you became a production pro. And if, in fact, if I recall, you were even a production director of one of the top radio stations. Was that more fun for you? And I note that you're still a voiceover artist. Yes. Well, when I when I first came to LA, back to LA, I was fortunate enough to get hired at KLOS, which I had interned at ten years prior. So that was kind of a interesting full circle. And I first got hired just as a part time on air. And I was doing that for only a couple months when all of a sudden the program director, or excuse me, the uh, production directorship became available and they hired me for that. It was a lot, yeah, a lot of fun, very creative. I mean, that, that was the nice part about being a production director is I got to be as creative as I wanted to be. I uh, really didn't have any kind of constraints on me as to what I could come up with for promos uh, and the like for the station. So that was a, a very fun time. Again, getting to work with uh, legends in the industry like Rita Wilde, the late Bob Coburn, uh, Gino Michelini, of course, Mark and Brian in the morning. So, you know, I got to work with a lot of really great people at that 
that station and had a lot of fun. Ken, Anth- Ken Anthony was the program director at that time, and he gave me my shot there, and I, I've always appreciated that and got to uh, experience the L.A. radio market for uh, almost five years before I left KLS. It certainly worked well for you, and you brought up some huge names in the business. How important have mentors been for your career? Oh, whether it's been radio or voiceover, uh, mentors have been everything. It's why I try to mentor people and give back as much as possible because um, I, I never would have reached the heights I did without people helping me along the way and, and being so generous with their talent and sharing sharing it with me. Do you find that you constantly try to upgrade your craft? What I mean is, are you being coached besides coaching others? Yes. You know, I I mean, you you have to evolve, uh, especially in the voiceover world. I know that focus of what is expected from voice talent changes almost yearly, especially these days. I mean, it's no longer that deep-voiced announcer that everybody's looking for. Right now, the thing that's in vogue is being real, as real as possible. You see on direction all the time, don't be a voice actor. We're not looking for voice actors. We're looking for real, genuine people. That's why I don't don't call voiceover anymore. I call it voice act because that's what it is. It, it You have to be able to act. You have to be able to be real. It, it really helps to have an acting background these days to be successful in voiceover. So, so do you recommend for folks that might want to do more than just a couple of commercials every once in a while to maybe take an acting class? Without it, I mean, the more you can, the more you can put in your arsenal, the better you're going to be. So not just acting, you know, take acting, take improv, of course, take some voiceover over workshops because the craft is different. It is different than on like an on-camera actor or uh, a stage actor. So you got you need to know those nuances as well. The more rounded you can be as far as acting and 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 even be, being in radio helped. I mean, radio really you know being on the air and radio really helps hone your internal clock and and gets you to to know how to to speed up or slow down appropriately. So that's also a skill you need you need in voiceover. So the, there are definitely skills you can learn in broadcast that help you out in voiceover as well. And we're going to talk about how Mark views the business when we come back on Brian's Beat Radio Stories. Everybody knows health insurance premiums are sky high. Then they get clobbered with astronomical deductibles. I found a company that provides low-cost, great coverage options. They have a variety of very affordable health plans, all with no deductibles, and most prescription drugs are covered. Here's what happens when you use one of these plans. Everybody gets better faster, and you keep more money in the bank. Why pay up the yin-yang in premiums, then go broke from huge deductibles? Check for yourself at hbgnetwork.com, hbgnetwork.com. Welcome back to Brian's Beat Radio Stories. We're hearing the story of Mark Avery today. Where do you see the business in 2025? Uh, Are we talking radio or are we talking... We're talking the radio business, yes. Radio business, well, unfortunately, I'm not as 
tied in as I used to be to, to the radio business. So I'm, I can't be as definitive as, as I might be on where I see it going. But I really think that because of the proliferation of mobile apps and, uh, you know, being either on, you know, being on the internet in some fashion, that that's really where it's all going to be coming from. I think that's where you're going to see the, the major players going to some kind of 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 live streaming you know i mean it's already there to an extent but i think it, it, its domination is going to be much bigger in five years than it is now and i think terrestrial radio although it's never going to go away because you know people like free <laughs> Um, I think that uh, access to the internet is also probably going to get a little bit better for people as well. So uh, with that, I think that you will see a lot more people moving in that direction. You know, the the XM Sirius, you know, I think they're always going to be there, but, you know, and they're really making a push to get into the home more. I know like with my kids, you know, they've got the, the, you know, the little Google devices, the Alexas and everything. And it's always, you know, Hey Google or Hey Alexa, play this, play that, you know, that has really taken over the younger generation. I mean, they're, my, my kids don't listen to traditional radio. So if there's some way we can create a, an engaging experience for the listener that isn't just playing music we might just be able to create a, a venue for radio and creative radio that uh, is accessible and used by a lot of people i think that there's still going to be radio but the radio that you and i grew up with has seen its better day i i unfortunately have to agree with that and the other the other thing with that is is that video is is so is so prolific now um and and so accessible that people want to see images along with what they're hearing i mean so, you know yeah you got to have times where you the music's kind of more of a background thing and not the center of attention the proliferation of video with youtube and and other uh sources is I think going to play a major factor going forward as well. All right. Some quick answers from you. True or false? Video killed the radio star? (laughs) Well, I guess if you're going to say what I just said, yeah, I'll say true. What tool software do you use that helps you be more productive in your work? Uh, Well, I use Pro Tools uh, for the most part uh, for all my audio editing. Um, So that to me that and you know i do also do some video production as well so between final cut and pro tools i'm pretty dialed in what words of wisdom do you have for the college graduate or the high schooler that's considering radio as a profession or as a career well i think you need to be you need to be proactive on being up on the trends because the trends change so quickly. And and I'm not talking about fashion trends or musical trends. I'm talking about the trends in the business. So uh, like I said, I think video is going to be much more prolific going forward. I don't think it's going to be the MTV uh, model per se, but um, I know that, you know, there's so many creative young minds out there doing some really amazing things. I mean, my kids show me these videos and these little, you know, any everything from these little TikTok videos to other streaming 
sources, and it, it amazes me how creative and forward-thinking some of these young minds are. My my suggestion is follow those trends, and more importantly, try to set the trends. And if you can do that, you'll be very successful. What parting words would you like to leave the Radio Nation with? Well, for me, like I said, it's all about the music. So keep music in your life. Keep a positive attitude. You know, always look for for that glass to be half full. You never know when that opportunity is going to knock and you're going to open the door and it's just going to sweep you off your feet and take you to new heights. So be open to that and just always be positive that, yeah, you know, maybe it's dark today, but tomorrow that sun's going to come out and something different will come along and make your experience on this planet even better. Mark, how can folks reach you by website or email? Okay, once again, the website is youhearme.com U-H-E-A-R-M-E and uh, the email is very similar. It's youhearmeinc U-H-E-A-R-M-E-I-N-C at gmail.com. Mark Avery, it's been a pleasure listening to your radio story. I almost feel like I've lived some of it. You have. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. And thanks for joining us on Brian's Beat Radio Stories. 